Welcome in to the student section, season two, episode 18 of WFUV's College Basketball Podcast. Plenty to talk about in the college basketball world as we record this on Friday afternoon. And the, uh, the big Yahoo report came out this morning about the further details and payments of the FBI investigation into college hoops. Matt Murphy joined by Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio as always. Fellas, no shortage of things to talk about today. We'll get into the investigation, some of the games this weekend, and have a little fun towards the end of the show. It's uh, a lot of people talking college basketball this weekend, heading into the weekend. Some of the wrong reasons that we're talking college basketball, though, because of the FBI report. But, hey, still only you know a week or so until we get into the conference tournaments, and then finally March Madness will be upon us. I'm pumped to, to finally get into it. I mean, it's been a weird college basketball season, a lot of parity, a lot of investigations and stuff but I think once we get into March Madness it'll be sort of a cure-all right and Dan there's still going to be an NCAA tournament as far as we know uh, even amidst all this stuff going on it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out it seems like for a while now college basketball fans have been expecting these allegations to be finally released today we get we get some news and uh, it's going to be interesting to see the next coming weeks how the NCAA handles it and how it plays out leading up to the NCAA tournament it's been I think 10 days since our last episode where we had a sibling pair from Montreal, Patrick Steves of GW, formerly of Harvard, and his sister Erica Steves, who plays for Brown. We will, at the end of this episode, feed in some of our latest interview with Joe Lenardi. We talked to him for a second time not too long ago. I think that was a few days after the Steves yeah, episode. Last, last Wednesday when Fordham played St. Joe's, we got to talk to him at halftime for a, a couple minutes, and the, the audio is not great but the beginning of the audio we had a technical difficulty for i think one yeah, of the one questions question, and i'm gonna feed in certain questions that are still relevant uh now more than a week later from that towards the end of the show so definitely keep your eyes and i guess ears out for that one but let's can close your eyes yeah if you really yeah. want to just get weird <laughs> get with the it mood, yeah <laughs> let's jump in though to a little bit of this fbi investigation because it is so timely everyone woke up to the news this morning like i said we're recording this on Friday ahead of, of the weekend slate in college basketball, which we'll touch on some of the, the better games um, after this. But just to kind of lay it out, the guys that are doing the reporting, Pat Ford and Pete Thamel of Yahoo, they released the documents today that give a lot of the numbers, the names of both players and institutions in this investigation, the documents that show potential NCAA violations from these schools and players, and, and really it has to do right now not with the schools themselves in this report that came out today, but through sports agents and the players themselves, whether they were trying to get wooed to a certain institution or to that agency themsel- that agency itself for their MBA days. A lot of it had to do with players that were already in college getting paid, whether it, it be paid for their meal or their travel to kind of go sign with that agency, and some of them did, some of them didn't. The agency, ASM, former NBA agent Andy Miller, his associate Christian Dawkins, who's, I believe, 25 years old. So there's plenty of names thrown out there, plenty of schools thrown out there, but at the very stage we're at right now, it's not like just because Wendell Carter of Duke is involved that Duke is in hot water just yet. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing where like a lot of times a scandal breaks and I was the same way. It's like, all right, college is paid players to come there. I think that's sort of the default scandal that people think of in college basketball. And this one's kind of unique in that, no, that's not really it. It's more agencies paying players to sign with them. And maybe the schools were involved. Maybe they weren't. But I wouldn't right now, if you're a college basketball fan, freak out too much and be like, oh, my God, all these schools are going to get suspended. Because right now it's kind of just... If anything, the player, the current like ten, uh, know, five, ten current players that are involved, maybe in a little bit of Some trouble. Some huge names: uh, yeah. Miles Bridges, Colin Sexton, and Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter you, even that's said. not definite. So I think this is going to be huge because obviously the schools were involved. Like I don't think that that's I'm really right. breaking ground when I say that. But I I don't know how long that's going to take to really have. An, I don't know if it'll have an effect this season. Yeah, Dan, the the thing that I want to point your way is you've been kind of before our show here very intrigued by the the monetary amounts that have been th- reported uh, obviously on paper in these documents and some of them are more interesting than others, some of them involving former players like Dennis Smith Jr who played at NC State last year. He had the highest monetary amount listed on there. I think it was 46,000, right? Right. So, with his situation, 
in an ESPN follow-up to the piece that I read just before the show, that was while he was at NC State, or before he got to NC State, excuse me. So that was one of the cases where it was to possibly get him to go to that school to begin with and, and steer him in that direction, whereas other guys like Isaiah Whitehead, who was at Seton Hall, it was while he was at Seton Hall and Malcolm Brogdon, apparently his mother had dinner that she can't remember or, or lunch or something at a hotel before they played Hampton in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. And that was to while he was at UVA to kind of set up his representation before the NBA. So different cases of guys in high school versus guys when they're in college looking towards the professional level. Right. And I know you guys mentioned you're not really that concerned. And I do agree. Um, you look at these allegations, a lot of them were mostly just dinners sometimes not even with the players, but with their parents. To me, I don't see how that's really an issue. I know that violates NCAA rules, and obviously that's not allowed. But I just think it speaks to the fact that the NCAA needs to kind of change their rules. The game is changing. These players deserve to be able to test their, their free market value, and I think that that's, that's what these players have, have been doing. And now we're seeing the negative side effects of that. Well, the, the flights and stuff, too, and, it, and I think a lot of pro pay college players people in that camp or are agreeing with what Dan just said and the fact that they do bring in a lot of revenue and all that stuff and this isn't necessarily the school paying them directly like the Louisville situation right, right. nothing in today's report was the level of the Louisville direct payment the Brian Bowen yeah. thing the, the NCAA is the biggest joke of an organization in the world the most corrupt organization in the world and you know there's no limit to all right they're not going to pay players whatever but to say that you know, a player's, a high schooler's mom can't go out to dinner with, with an agent to try to woo their son is ridiculous. It's not affecting anything at the collegiate level really at all. It's really not, a, you know, it's not an, an issue of fairness at all. The only people that you could say are getting beat by this and screwed over by this is the other agencies, if anything, and who cares about them at all. So right. that's why it's like absolutely ridiculous that uh, I, the NCAA thinks that they like, control every single aspect of not just these 18 year old lives but their families lives and it's it's like insane it's like you really have to sell your soul to this garbage organization for one year two years whatever it is i know a lot of people were not happy with the response given from by the ncaa and mark emmert today a lot of people were criticizing that on twitter and the craziest part tom is with the dennis smith number of forty six thousand. In these documents, there are some written notes on them, and next to Dennis Smith, it might have been typed. I'm not, I can't remember exactly right now. I'm not looking at it at the moment, but I looked at it earlier. It said "did not sign." So with ASM or whatever that agency is, he got paid more by someone else right. apparently. So it's not even like he was like the highest guy reported in this list, and he didn't end up signing with them. I just look at it like you look at uh, Diamond Stone, former Maryland center. Getting, this is really eating at you that he getting got fifteen thousand dollars. Diamond which Stone is, was not terrible. Like. I feel like yeah, not in college. How's he doing now? He's in the well, G he's League. He's awful, yeah. All I'm saying is $15,000 to a player who's 18 years old, 17 years old, coming out of high school. You know, coming. sometimes these players come from not the best backgrounds. They're, you know, strapped for cash. I think it's hard to say no to that. And to be honest, if the NCAA is serious about preparing their athletes to play at the next level and play in the NBA, they should treat them more like NBA athletes get treated. If that means them having the flexibility to pursue an agent or, you know, prepare themselves for the higher level, I'm all for it. I'm a big believer in that athlete, student athletes should be able to profit off of themselves. I don't think that there should be any direct payment. Oh, you sign at Louisville, you, you know, you get paid 20000 a year. I think that if you're good enough, it's like market correction. You know, right. Johnny Mandel, when he was at A&M, he should have been able to get money off his own jersey. He or should be able to sign, sign autographs. Own, exactly, well, write his own name down and get some money for it. Sign an endorsement deal uh, with Nike, even if you're still at college, because it's a risk... For the company, too, because you're still at college. So I think it's ridiculous that, you know, fine, the NCAA is not going to pay players. That's one thing I, I kind of do agree with that. I don't think you should have, like, a salary when you're in college. But I do think you should be able to profit off of yourself, whether it's endorsement deals, signing autographs, jersey sales, and definitely should be able to profit off of yourselves by signing with an agent, which has really no effect on the college game. Go to dinner with whoever you want. Have your mom and dad go to dinner with whoever you want. It, it's insane. It's just funny to me how hypocritical the NCAA can be. You brought up Johnny Manziel. I remember when Johnny Manziel was in college, you know, at the height of people arguing about paying college athletes. You go on the NCAA team store website, you search Johnny Manziel. His jersey is the, the first yeah, result. The of course, it doesn't have his name on it, but the NCAA has no problem profiting off Johnny Manziel's image, and he can't, didn't get a dime for that. He can't even sign an autograph. Look at him now. Like, obviously, he's come a long way, but, it, you know, he's peaked. 
if, if he could take advantage of where he once was, I think he'd be way better off. And it is a strong argument. I know Jay Billis was going off, I, I assume going off today. I only saw one of his tweets he was. Ab- about this, but that that's to be expected. And we might get another Jay Billis reference in towards the end of the show where we talk a little bit about the manager games because we've got some local stories about that and a couple of recent games in there that we've seen. We're big manager f- games the official Fans podcast now. of Manager Games Basketball. Yes, yeah, so un- like unofficial that. official podcast. Stay tuned for the the end of the show for that talk. But some of the names on here were very outdated, too. One of them was Brendan Haywood at, uh, with UNC, which his oh, NBA I, career I remember, wrapped like, up years ago. I remember picking him up in like fantasy he's, basketball yeah, he's like, on when TV. nobody else was playing on like a Thursday night and he gets you like 11 fantasy points. He's an analyst now. And, and before we move on to some of the games uh, this weekend, last thing about like what's going to happen next. I think, Dan, one of you guys brought it up a little bit and it's going to be interesting to see I think Dan you said at the top of the show what happens with all of this and San Diego State has uh, as of an hour ago and we're recording this about three just after 3:30 Eastern on, on Friday afternoon suspended Malik Pope because he apparently allegedly received $1,400 loan from a pro agent so that's one of the dominoes that has fallen I with these guys like Miles Bridges and Sexton and, and Carter and those those are the three biggest three of the biggest names in college basketball this season. I don't know if if anything it's going to be interesting to see suspension wise what happens do they get ruled ineligible I mean we saw yesterday Alonzo Trier ruled ineligible for a completely different reason and now his appeals process starts do some of these guys get ruled ineligible this week tonight tomorrow and then they have to appeal or they have to pay back whatever loan they received and then they're able to play again before March and it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they miss time at all. It's very interesting, especially how timely this is coming just weeks before the NCAA tournament. But my main takeaway, though, is not about the dinners that were paid for by the sports agency, but instead the cash that the players received. That's very concerning. You look at schools like Michigan State, rep- reportedly Miles Bridges and Tom Izzo both received cash and they went, went out to dinner like a Michigan State previously with uh, earlier allegations this season, you know, they mismanaged the whole Larry Nasser thing. That's already bad, a bad look for Michigan State. And you got to question, like, with these coaches, you know, getting up there in age, all these allegations against them, how much longer do they have? It's going to be very interesting to see where these coaches are. And I've got Michigan State in the starting five segment, which will adjust our points and, and give the fans out there an updated list of our standings with that. And it's not been a great year morally for our picks in the starting five. Tom, no. you've got Minnesota and I've got Michigan State. So we're struggling in and that department. Dan, you had... I mean, oh, do- I have I have uh, uh, Xavier, so I'll kind of clear the And air. Chris Mack spoke out today. Exactly. Dude, I was named in this too with Wendell Carter. It's so. very concerning to me the fact that Chris Mack was the only coach to say something because that leads me to believe that there's some you know, leaves left unturned, if you will. But Chris Mack making a making a statement is good news. He uh, denied all the allegations, and I think that's good for Xavier. Well, I mean, it was with Edmund Sumner, right? That was in right. relation to past that. Past player, so. And as a past player, and he basically said, we didn't know anything about it. If he went out to, with an agent, if he got paid by the agent, it has nothing to do with, with Xavier and our process of recruiting him. So, I mean, we'll see if any other coaches really speak out. I know some ath- athletic directors have, but if, if any of these teams have to play without – the likes of some of their star players. It's going to impact an already crazy season in college basketball. We'll move on to this weekend slate. Nothing really jumped out at me on Friday or Sunday, so let's talk about Saturday. We'll try to repost this tomorrow morning, get it out there on Twitter and stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at StudentSecPod. Before maybe the Saturday afternoon games start, we'll try to get it buzzing again because there are some of the Saturday games this weekend that are significant none more so than Kansas Texas Tech I guess we can start there before maybe getting into two or three other games Kansas and Texas Tech two top 10 teams both have the same record at 22 and 6 and in terms of the implications that I just brought up if Kansas wins this game they clinch a share of the Big 12 conference regular season title for the 14th straight year after Kind of a down start, and people questioning them. And, Tom, they're one of your starting five teams. I'm a resident Jayhawks fan or whatever you want to call it here on the student section. And, you know, I remember early on, because earlier in the season, Kansas did lose to Texas Tech, and that game was at Kansas. So, like, really early in, in the Big 12 season, people were like, oh, this is the year. Kansas finally loses the Big 12. This is it. And now here we are, Kansas, with, you know, they're the odds-on favorite to end up wrapping up the regular season Big 12 title for a 14th straight year would be incredible I mean this is a uh not gonna be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination I mean at Texas Tech they're higher ranked team Kansas is eight right now Texas Tech is six 
and it's going to be at Texas Tech at the uh, United Supermarkets Arena. So I no free ads. I was, no, I was, just, I was like reading that. I, I was looking at the ESPN. That's a weird name for an arena, right? Yeah, it is. And another weird is thing that about like a is that just a thing for all supermarkets? Like they're united, like the United Supermarkets I think that's Arena, a brand or is it a brand uh, of supermarkets? It's a brand name. I'm pretty sure that's why I said no free advertising. Oh, okay. You thought uh, like it was like their their arena named it was after like, all the supermarkets? Yeah, in the it was like they were united together, like as an organization, all the supermarkets. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's right. Another weird, obscure thing about Texas Tech is. I was listening to one of their games on the radio recently, and their play-by-play guy, whenever they hit a three, he has the same call on the radio, the same exact call. He goes, bang, a guns up three ball every single time. The <laughs> I guns love up. it. I, do, I don't like Texas Tech the bang, call. but I do like the guns up three ball. He doesn't do bang. like That, that was more of a Mike Breen bang. Yeah. We are here at Mike Breen's alma mater recording in the WFUV studios, but it's more of like a, a quiet bang. It's like, bang, a guns up three ball. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Uh, but, you know, uh, this is, I think, the game of the weekend. Uh, I like Kansas to win it. Um, I just think that it is extremely difficult to beat Kansas twice in a season. If you're a conference opponent, it basically – why are you looking at me like that? No, I was looking at Dan. Yeah. Uh, he picked Kansas, and he shook his head. And I will say that Tech has lost two games in a row, but they haven't been with – There are two They haven't games. had Keenan Evans at full strength in either of their recent two losses at Baylor and at Oak State. He came out in the Baylor game and then was – not at full strength against Oklahoma State, and he's hobbled right now with a toe injury, so that definitely impacts this game. Yeah, and like I said, it, it's hard to beat a team twice. It's hard to, especially to beat a team like Kansas twice, and even though it is at Texas Tech, uh, I like the Jayhawks playing well right now. They've won three straight, four or five. I think they share, you know, lock up the share of the Big 12 title. I know uh, Kansas is, you know, historically winning the Big 12, it feels like, almost every year. That being said, it seems they always disappoint in March, at least for me in my brackets. I, I have a problem picking Kansas after how they've treated me the last couple even years. Even in the regular season, just to clinch a share of the regular season? I, I've been, not even March. I've been very surprised with Texas Tech all year. And a home game, I don't know, I'm going Texas Tech. I, I thought about it, but you don't know the status of Keenan Evans, so I'm going to go with Kansas. I, I think that Tech is going to be favored in, in this one, oh, I, yeah. I would assume. I would guess they'd be like a mm, – yeah, I'd guess like a three-point favorite. Maybe. I think the numbers and everything point to maybe Tech being favored here, but a lot of that rides on Keenan Evans as well. So I think Tom and I are going Kansas here, and Dan's going to go with Texas Tech. He's been a, kind of a lone ranger on certain episodes this year. I always pick year. the teams that are struggling. Two straight losses for Texas Tech, that means they're due up for a bounce-back win. All right, and let's move on because, I, like I said, the Saturday slate, it's not as good as some of the other slates that we've seen – in our episodes leading into the weekend earlier in our season season two of this podcast. But there are a couple other notable games. I guess we could stay in, in the Big 12. And let's talk about a game on Saturday night, I believe. Kansas State at Oklahoma because Oklahoma is riding a six-game losing streak. Tom, they're also in your starting five. So some question marks on this slate in regard to some of your teams. And Oklahoma is going to host Kansas State Kansas State's got 20 wins this year, and they've looked good at times, and they they play pretty good defense. And Kansas and Oklahoma relies on scoring the ball. And that remember, if people remember, it's the game that Oklahoma and Kansas State last played. That was kind of the beginning of the end for the Oklahoma Sooners. They got killed at Kansas State, 87-69, uh, like a month or a little bit over a month, about a month ago or so. And you know, ever since then, they've really been struggling. They've lost. I think I six said six. In a row. Oh, it is six in a row, right? I was going to correct myself and say five in a row. No, they've lost six in a row, and they've lost nine of 11, two and nine in their past 11. I mean, it's just, it's been brutal. Trey Young is playing good still, but not playing as well as he was, obviously, for the beginning of the season. And that's and something that you asked Joe Lenardi, which I'll, I'll try to feed in at the end of the episode. I mean, I'll have our interns feed that in, yeah, our we'll producer. Interns. Um, towards the end, you talked about the Trey Young factor, and maybe that's why Oklahoma was included in the bracket preview yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. They're definitely out of it. Yeah, they now. were in there at number 16 um, a couple Sundays ago. I mean, Sundays honestly, ago. like Oklahoma is firmly in bubble territory, and they need – this is a, a huge – Huge game, I think, for Oklahoma's tournament chances. Like, if they don't, if you lose to an unranked team at home, second time you lose to this team, uh, same team this season, you're 16 and 12. I think they're they're probably out. Honestly, wouldn't like, that for be now. something if one of your five starting five teams missed the tournament? Well, I'm gonna have way more than one. Miss you're, the you're looking at the guy that has Valparaiso over here. They're <laughs> in the last in the Missouri Valley Conference standings oh, right now. Brutal. <laughs> and then at Baylor versus Iowa State, I think Oklahoma needs to win two of these final three games. Ideally, all three win a game or two in the in the Big Twelve. 
and they'll be all right. But yeah, I mean, this is this is a big game, and I think Oklahoma finally snaps the losing streak. So I, I'm undecided, so Dan, I'm gonna have you make your pick. How for can Kansas I pick State? against my I've, I've been big on Kansas State too. Another team that's come out of nowhere, kind of turned some heads late in the season. Uh, um, their coaches, their head coach's name slipping my mind right now, but Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber, yeah, uh, favorite for coach of the year in the Big Twelve. So I think he's done a great job with the team. Yeah, they're this twenty and eight, like quietly. Yeah, exactly. And they're not getting well. They're, they're not getting the, the student, recognition they deserve. They're on the student say. section list of teams to watch more, along with Ohio State. Uh, I think we have Tennessee. someone else. Ohio there. State yeah. is firmly at number one in the teams <laughs> that we need to watch more. I think Auburn might be number two. Oh for yeah, us. Mustafa I've seen a little bit of guy. Auburn. We had that viral tweet with Auburn. People yeah, no big deal. That. Viral yeah. tweet of a Mustafa Heron at dunk. student sec. Pod. I'm going yeah. Kansas State though. I li- I like the way they're playing as of recently, and uh, Oklahoma's really got to turn it around, but. Question for you guys real quick. Do you think uh, Trey Young deserves to be player of the year, or do you think six straight losses? Jalen Brunson, baby. I'm firmly in the Jalen Brunson. I shouldn't even have asked. I knew number, that answer. The numbers for Trey Young are still absurd. 28 points well, a game. Well, are you one of those guys that thinks It comes down to if wins. Yeah. Wins or uh, the, the players around them, because you could say Trey Young doesn't have anyone around him. Exactly. Jalen Brunson's got Mikael Bridges and everyone else on Villanova. I mean, Spellman, there are, there's tons of guys. Bridge, you, yeah. So, I mean, it, it comes down to defining the award there. again. So, right. right now, I, I think Brunson is probably ahead of Trey Young, in my opinion. I would agree with that. He, he's, you know, on the same level. Like, how can you. And a, his team's way how better. How can you run the point for a team like Villanova and shoot? I don't know what his exact number is now, but he's been around 40% from three all season long and higher than that. It's absurd for me. His shot from beyond the arc is just so impressive, not to mention just how he runs their offense and keeps them level headed throughout the game against big time opponents in the Big East. So. I'm very impressed with Brunson, as I was expecting to be coming into this season. In terms of my pick for this Kansas State-Oklahoma game, you said Bruce Weber's name. I you was did. No, I, I did. You <laughs> asked me for it. And uh, I was undecided. I thought about picking Oklahoma because they're home, but I'm going to go with Kansas State primarily because I just watched a thing on the Big Ten Network about Bruce Weber when he took over for the Darren Williams-D. Brown team at Illinois in the 04-05 season when they lost to North Carolina in the national championship, so maybe because I just watched that, it's recency bias, but I think Kansas State picks up their 21st victory of the season, an impressive season for them, a team that in your bracket you should definitely take a look at, depending on the matchup and, and where they're at and, and that type of stuff. Let's move on. I want to touch on one or two more games before we get into our starting five update and a little talk about the, the hashtag manager games, and Jay Billis has coined that into a really a phenomenon at this point. Let's talk about a little American conference action. I don't think I gave you guys these games before we started the show, but Wichita State and SMU, actually, I, that just jogged my memory. I did say we should talk about Wichita State because they've been playing so well, including a big win over one of my starting five teams last weekend at Cincinnati on the road. Some are saying one of, outside of the tournament, one of Greg Marshall's best wins of his coaching career to go into Cincinnati, put up 76 points on a very good defensive team defense. in the in the Bearcats. 76-72 win on February 18th. They're 22-5, and five and they're rolling, but they go to SMU, which could be a it's sneaky American conference SMU. game. So I, I think this is one to watch this weekend. SMU plays really well at home, but Wichita State, I think that like a few weeks ago, people sort of started to write them off. They had lost at Temple. They lost at Houston. They lost to SMU, too, but... And they're twenty-two and five. Like five losses is, is you know really impressive. Like that. It might five be because losses. like they're in the American this year, and when they were previously in the Missouri Valley, it was like you expected them to only have one loss. Right. Next right. To win their like name. every game, and I think when people oh look at Wichita State losing to Houston and, and Temple, oh, they they really are just like a mid-major. They can't ha- hang with the big boys. But no, I mean they've won five straight games. They've beat Cincinnati. They beat I mean UConn stinks, but they beat Temple. You know they have some wins. But uh, sorry, Dan. Uh, the worst Jalen Adams didn't play last night, so Thursday <laughs> night. And Antoine Anderson, former Fordham guy, got the start at point guard for UConn. So yeah, I mean Wichita State is still, I think with Shamit. Uh, I know I always say that name wrong. Oh, did I get it? There? Landry Shamit. Yeah. yeah, I said it there. Okay. I think you said you used to say Shamet. Yeah. I'm so sure. Shamit and Frank Camp is a really good backcourt duo, reminiscent of Van Vliet and Baker. Oh, speaking of Van Vliet, he was one of the guys in the thousand dollars, about twelve hundred bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the uh, the FBI investigation today, which I know totally worth it. <laughs> some some were surprised that like Wichita State was involved in this situation or mentioned well, by remember, name. Yeah. I think at this point, I you, was you can't too. be surprised by any team But that, like, Wichita State is... They're not named. I, I said that they were named, but that one of their players Right, was exactly. Um, Some people thought Greg Marshall and everything was too so clean yeah, for that. I uh, 
keep an eye out uh, for Wichita State uh, in your brackets. Don't just write them off because they have five I've got them. And I think they will be. Yeah, I've game. got them winning at SMU. And, I, Dan, you probably do too as well. Yeah, as, I don't know. Like, I don't seem to be as high on SMU as you guys. Um, well, they're good at home. I, I mean, they're not that good of a team overall. It's just a sneaky American conference game. It seems like everyone can beat anyone can beat anyone in that conference at this I, point. I do like Wichita State, though. They started the season ranked very highly. I know they had a couple of losses, but now back on a five-game yeah, winning streak. Yeah, the second most talented team in the country preseason, according to our own Tom Scabelli. So, Wichita yeah, State. I'm going I mean, Wichita hey, State, paying, but, you know, I don't— I didn't say talented. I said best. That's a huge difference. All right. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Let's do one more game before we get into starting five. It's kind of a random game. Louisville and Virginia well, I, Tech. I've, I had a, another one or two, but you do Let's this. Let's save those, yeah. and, and we'll do those after. Um, we've been on the same page for the last two, I think, right? Well, no, uh, well Dan had the uh, last two. I'm no, always Dan the had one had a, No, you yeah. had Oklahoma when we yeah. both took Kansas State. Yeah. But the last one, we, we all have Wichita State over SMU this weekend. Louisville, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's at home. They've got more wins than Louisville this year. Louisville's 18-10. and 10. The reason I throw them in is because Joe Lenardi, big friend of the Student Section podcast, still has the Cardinals in his bracketology in the field, coming off losses to UNC at home and then at Duke, and they're still in the field at 18 and 10. I mean, those are two pretty good losses. Oh, I know, but I mean, 10 losses, and they're going to Virginia Tech, a team that stats-wise is much better than Louisville, and I think they'll they'll pick up their, I think, 21st win yeah. of the season. I like Virginia Tech a lot. I think it was because early in the season they were near the top of the charts for all the percentages and stuff, and I'm not much of an advanced stats guy like Tom is. I'm more of a standard so count, Dan. Dan's a counting, guy too. counting numbers guy. Yeah, we haven't said that much this year on the show that Dan's we'll wait, our stats guy. We'll wait till uh, March Madness to get to Once we break down all the matchups in the bracket, Dan will have a stat for pretty much every for game. For every matchup. That's something, so stay tuned for that. I think Virginia Tech at home, I love Buzz Williams, gets it done against Louisville, and maybe that should kick. Louisville out of the bracket. I, They're hanging on by a thread. Right I don't now. know. I actually, I, I guess I'm higher on Louisville than you guys. I, I think that Louisville is going to win this game. I think they're going to make the tournament. Quentin Snyder is still a, a dynamic guard. Dang Adal leads the team. Anasma mood. 15 points guy. per game. Snapchat. Ray Spalding averaging almost a double double. 12 points, nine boards. Uh, and VJ Kings, a, a name we remember from last year. So I think that this team is. I don't. I don't know. I think they're getting slept on a little bit because you know of all the Patino stuff and everything. I know they're not playing. Uh, well recently they've lost five of seven games but I think there's enough talent on this team where they could win they could I think they make win a few game win a couple games in the ACC tournament and uh who knows what happens I actually think March Virginia Madness. Tech could be a team that could win a game or two in the tournament oh for sure I mean they're the only team that's beat Virginia this year in the ACC yeah and that was at Virginia 61 yeah. 60 they have an, uh, an unreal and offense bad job by us I think that was before the Pat and Erica Steves interview episode and we didn't really touch on Virginia Tech beating Virginia, but that was a, a huge win for Virginia Tech, and I like them come tournament time, and I'm picking them this weekend against Louisville. So I've got Virginia Tech. Tom's got Louisville and Dan. Break the tie. I'm going Virginia Tech as well. There I'm we a go. huge Buzz Williams fan. Uh, watched Virginia Tech play firsthand, second round tournament in uh, Buffalo last year for the— That was a gritty road trip for you, right? It was, it was a lot of fun, yeah, but Max. Buzz Williams has been one of my favorite uh, coaches for a while now, so— 20 and 20 and 8 right now again we know we just mentioned Kansas quietly 20 or Kansas State excuse me quietly 20 and 8 but Virginia Tech going 20 and 8 in an ACC that's got four ranked teams that right now that's that's pretty impressive so props to Buzz Williams and expect another win versus Louisville Absolutely. So Dan and I on the same page. Tom, what other games did you want to talk about? Well, I had uh, Auburn at Florida. I think is a, a oh that, 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 that is, is a good one. that's a good one. I skipped over that one, but uh, that's eight thirty tomorrow Saturday night, depending on when you're listening to this. Auburn, twelve team, twelfth ranked team in the country, but Florida, seventeen and eleven. One of the most overused. The they have lost three in a one row. One of the most overused phrases in um, by reporters and by analysts and people on Watch Twitter that Florida. like that like college basketball. No. Auburn's undersized. <laughs> Everyone's been saying Auburn's undersized, but they still have been getting it done. It's at Florida, correct? Yeah. So I'm a big Mike White fan. I know we've talked a lot about coaches same. on this show. I think he dresses nicely, but he's also a pretty good coach. Bruce Pearl's the same way, though. What, in terms of his, his swag yeah, on the Yeah, he's just such a baller. He sweats a lot, though. Yeah, I true. don't know. Mike White looks like he could just go out to dinner like right after the <laughs> game and be fine. But uh, they've 
Obviously had an up-and-down season after we talked a ton about the PK-80 in their game against Duke. That seems like forever ago at this point. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot they were a top-five Yeah, team. they had an incredible performance all the way back at the start of the season, and, and we talked about it a lot. And now we've kind of fallen off the Florida talk like most people have. We do need. I know I need to watch more of Auburn, so I'm going to be tuned into that one. And I think Auburn gets it done on the road against Florida. Hi, I'm... Taking Florida, home underdog, unranked team at home against the ranked teams, always always a solid pick. Uh, I mean, Florida's lost three in a row, but if you look at it, three-point loss to Georgia, three-point loss to Vanderbilt, five-point loss at Tennessee. Who's None of those are really ideal losses besides I know, Tennessee. I'm saying they, they've all been close games. Georgia's not terrible. I think people sleep on Georgia. But, I mean, Florida's in it where there's, like, I think six or seven teams at eight and seven uh, in the conference in the SEC, so, like, a cluster for third in the SEC. And, uh, you know, I think that Florida is a team that I still think has a lot of talent. I think they do. they're a team that's going to make the tournament. Um, and they're a team that always seems to Do you to have the box score up? Can you pull up the, the Vanderbilt box? Remember we were watching that when we were in Dayton and we Chioza wasn't on the floor and someone was like, I think Dan said, is Chioza not playing or something? He played yeah. in, Well, he played in that game. So okay, he was just out. He played I mean, 35 minutes. We shouldn't uh, have assumed. We, we tuned in for the five <laughs> minutes that he wasn't out there and got worried. But, no, but they I do mean, have talented guards. They have good scorers. They can score it. I mean, I don't know. It's just their front court is the question mark, I think. Right. But I, I don't know. I think Mike White's a good coach. But, hey, Auburn's that. undersized. So. Exactly. <laughs> I think Florida wins this game, and it, it's uh, the beginning of a momentum builder uh, into the tournament. Can I change my pick to Florida? I'm going to do it anyway. Come on. I, that means i, I got to pick Auburn. You don't no, have, to, have to, but I'm there, snagging Florida first take here. we got to pick different sides. <laughs> I'm snagging Florida. All right. Well, I, I was going to go Pretty Florida as job, well. Yeah, you did. You look at Florida back in the PK-80 you know, they looked really good. I know at the beginning of the season they were hot. Uh, a lot of uh, We were big on Florida. It seems like they kind of fell off. Looking at the SEC standings now, really surprising. I guess that's one of the conferences that I have been neglecting a little bit here. Texas A&M started hot. Alabama looked good at the beginning of the season. Florida, those teams are all the middle towards the bottom of the pack now. So Auburn... Pretty good team. I love Mustafa Heron. I miss watching him dunk in Pretty high school gyms team, in it's Connecticut. team in the country. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I think Florida's going to get hot, and I think they're going to be a team that's going to be highly seeded in the tournament that has the potential to, to ruin a lot of brackets. So. I have a soft spot in my heart, not only for Mike White's swag on the sideline, but for Florida overall because I saw them play in person at the Garden last year. The buzzer beater three by Chris Chioza on the wing, which reminded me a lot of another shot. Great transition. I was hoping you were going to do it. Yeah, another <laughs> shot that we saw in person at UNC Charlotte in the manager games. And if, if you don't know what the manager games are, it sounds just like what it is. It's managers representing the schools they travel with, and a lot of times they'll get together. The students. Ne- students. The student managers, and they'll get together with the school that they're supposed to play the next day and, and play a game in front of very few people, maybe five people, maybe, maybe none. <laughs> and maybe we, were there, we were there for Fordham and UNC Charlotte, which turned out to be a big upset on a buzzer beater like the Chioza shot. We could talk about that in a second. But Jay Billis has kind of popularized the, these this idea, the manager games. It's the hashtag on Twitter is manager games, and you can follow most of these schools' teams on social media. And it's it's a pretty cool thing, and it, it, it was fun to watch and Connor Burchard had a buzzer beater from nearly the same spot that Chris Chioza beat Wisconsin at at the Garden, this time in an empty Conference USA venue against the Charlotte managers. Fordham was playing Davidson in North Carolina, but they had to work their schedule around and get another matchup against the number three ranked manager team in the country, Charlotte, and they pulled off an 85-83 buzzer beater win, and it was a great basketball game. it was. I I said this like it was actually one of the best basketball games I feel like I've ever watched. And like I, I'm not I'm not even exaggerating. Like there was a time in the first half where it, it I think it was around it was like 30 25 something like that. And it was just like I was three, in the game at that. Point. Yeah, you were. It was like three ball after three ball after three ball. One guy drives like past his defenders to the rim, lays it in. Like, yeah, Matt in, Murphy in drives way. along the right baseline and scores his only <laughs> basket of the game high it, off the it glass. It was like it was like I was like oh my god. I feel like I was watching a. D- I feel like I was watching like Duke UNC like. The All level right. of the level of play was honestly like unbelievable. Like it Tom's was- a little fired up, but I will say, like obviously these guys are not as big as Division One players, but the shooting in that game was it incredible, was and it was on par with what you would see uh, in a Division One uh, game. You- a kid on UNC Charlotte oh, so, probably yeah. had twelve three pointers w- out w- of like fourteen attempts. I mean, like everything was just falling, and then that second half, the finish. I mean. 82-80, Fordham, UNC Charlotte. It's a, a pretty deep right wing three to make it 
Eight seconds left. Connor Burchard takes it up. Shot from three, top of the arc. Goes in basically as, as the buzzer expires. You see It's cool because it, in the go, video go to that Twitter, you took, yeah. You go to at student sec pod or you could go to at fu underscore managers. Uh, they've got the video too. And you Tom, you, to you got a nice retweet from I Woody a, Page. Yeah, I had a great angle there. And the great angle of the video, it's cool because it literally went in right before the scoreboard lights up. When you're playing in these big-time venues, you, you have the benefit of having this, right. the shot clock and the lights go off. Yeah, so one it thing, was awesome. One thing I'm not sure that we mentioned, this uh, UNC Charlotte team was the third No, I did say oh, that, did and say now that. Fordham moved up. So Fordham, watch out. Number watch 36 out. in the country if now. If you're filling out a manager bracket, watch out for Fordham. Sneaky good team, and they move up to number 36. UNC Charlotte, only the loss only cost them two spots. They're down to number five in the latest KPI rankings, and I guess they were they were missing some of their better players that normally travel when they have a road game. That's what we were told by the guy that hit like a million threes in that game. Let's move on to our starting five segment. I think this will be the last thing we do here on episode 18 of season two of the student section. We did not tell each other on purpose how many points we have, and I'll explain the rules again for any new listeners. The starting five segment is something we've done over the last two college basketball seasons where we select five teams each and there's this year we added some more strict guidelines essentially once you have your teams in place I'll, I'll get to how we pick them but you get one win for a regular season win two for a conference win conference tournament win and three for an NCAA tournament win and that's for each of your five teams and we had to pick back in week two of the AP poll one team that was currently ranked one through ten one team that was currently ranked 11 through 25 two non-ranked teams and then we rounded out each of our starting fives with one team where we've had a player from in the preseason. We interviewed eight players in the preseason. I think we've had 10 to 12 interviews so far in, in these episodes. So that's where we got these teams from, and we don't know the current standings of our regular season wins. I'll start us up just to throw a number on the board. I've got 106 points. Jesus. and. Let's let's oh, just. Oh boy, that does not sound like a good sign for Tom. No, how many do you have, Dan? We'll get to you first. I've only got ninety. Oh, brutal! <laughs> I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't know so it was going to be that bad. So explain the teams that you have, and then I'll explain the teams that I have, and then Dan. So can I, go. so my saving grace is Kansas, twenty-two and six. I think they're a legitimate national title contender if they can run the table. That's what six games, eighteen points. Maybe they win the the Big Twelve tournament too. So they are saving grace. Oklahoma 16 and 11. We've been saying that they're, I mean, they obviously stink recently, but we were saying they're a team that, I mean, they have to win a few more games to get in this situation, but a classic team that's going to be an 8-9 game win, even though those are impossible to predict, to predict and maybe beat a one seed and then never know, maybe going a little bit of a You're, run. You would pick that? I'm not saying I would, but is? I what could if see that right, happening. Xavier's the one and, and oh. Alabama's the nine. X all well, day, baby. I'm definitely picking Oklahoma to beat. Bama. Or Arkansas. Every time I see Alabama or Arkansas in an 8-9 game, my brain explodes. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so I've got those two. Seton Hall, also a team that could be saving grace. Oh, I think Did I do math? No, I didn't do math. So right. my thing is, I saw this in a tweet. Uh, someone, I forget I have who. 106. That's over like 20 wins a team. I've got oh, three just wait till you hear my are, number, buddy. I've got three teams that are well over 20 wins, but depending yeah. on how you look, well, anyway. consider well over. But I wanted to say I saw a tweet that said Seton Hall uh, would you be surprised if the Final Four was like Michigan State? This is what the person tweeted. Would you be surprised if it was Michigan State, Seton Hall? Yeah. I forget one of the teams. I think Arkansas was in there. And, and the way college basketball is gone, they said they wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised with an Arkansas. I wouldn't be surprised if Seton Hall made a Final I Four Seton run. Hall, three really good seniors, Desi Rodriguez, Kadeen. Kadeen uh, Carrington and and held Del- Angel Del- Angel Del- Angel Delgado. Del- yeah. Come on, come on. I was trying to give him the uh, Dan's our Big East guy. So if you're a listener, no, but I was trying to give. We him know the about correct- the Big East. We're here in New York. Dan went to the Big East tournament last year. Tom's. I guess we'll we'll keep him I mean, as our Kansas guy. And, and hell, I mean Big that's 12. like and correct. Hell, that's the correct. Don't ask anyway, Tom to Miles say Notre Powell Dame too. either. I can't pronounce words. That's my thing. Notre Dame. Oh, oh. yuck! <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out. That was gross. <laughs> and Miles Powell too. Second least. So there's like a lot of talent on Seton Hall. Um, I think that they're way better uh, than people. Th- I, I'm surprised they're not ranked. I, I think 19. Uh, I guess not that surprising. But I, I could definitely see the seniors leading them to an elite eight. I think it sounds good, sure. but in reality, I'm not sure that it happens. It right, I mean, like, they came up way short against Villanova. Right, and it feels ago. like the last three years I've been watching college basketball, 
Seton Hall has been knocked out like first round, if not second round, every year in the NCAA tournament. Well, now they, these guys are seniors. That's yeah. Tom's they have point. like the most vocal fan base every year, talking about how great their team's going to be, and we have yet to see the results. I wish we knew a Seton Hall fan that could. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe don't give even us some don't even say his name. We'll <laughs> see if he listens this far in. Yeah, but I don't know. Seton Hall, always a risky pick in the tournament, especially for me. Just like Kansas, that's one team that I usually don't feel comfortable picking to go far that far. So is that all you wanted to say about your last place starting five squads, Tom? And Minnesota, everyone is going to be, like, so mad when they win the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> like, the Big Ten tournament is going to be, I think, like, kind of – Eh, I guess kind of wide open. We're still like, working on uh, a, our coverage from the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. It is here in New York this so year. So don't be surprised if Minnesota goes off in the Big Ten tournament. Grand Canyon, Josh Braun is going to be the Cinderella. So I still may win this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so Matt, you have how many? I have 106, and I can explain mine in a second. And Tom has 90. And you, yeah, you why, don't we go second, why don't we go second place now? Okay, yeah. Right. How, you don't want to say your point total yet? I'll, get, I'll get to that. All right, you're obviously in first place. That's Let's Dan DiOrio, great white number one on the starting five. Update here on episode 18. I've got 106. I'm carried by Michigan State. They really haven't been in the news much this college basketball <laughs> season. 27 and three. Hopefully Miles Bridges doesn't get suspended or anything like that. Cincinnati's 24 and four for me. That's not a bad 11 through 25 pick at the time. Your time, your 11 through 25 pick was Minnesota, and I was so jealous. Yeah. I had to settle for Cincinnati, and they made it pay off for me so far, despite the recent loss to Wichita State, just their fourth of the season. I don't think they're a team that could go super far in the tournament, but they might pick up one or two extra points for me in the NCAA tournament because those, those are worth three points each. So that would be helpful. Nevada's also got 24 wins for me. So they've been dominating in the Mountain West. Their biggest games of the season in the conference have been against Boise State, and they swept them both time, both games. So 24-5 and five are the Wolf Space Pack. It's not one word, so I know that people get disgruntled about that sometimes. And rounding it out for me, I've got a couple bad teams. I shouldn't say bad. I mean, UT Arlington 17 and 12. They're middle of the pack in the Sun Belt. Kevin Hervey we had as a guest, so that was where my pick of UTA came from. They could win their conference tournament. I, I'm rooting for them. I hope I hope the Mavericks do win it, but I know there's some other teams ahead of them in that league that would be the favorite. And Valparaiso's my only team with a losing record. They're 14 and 16 overall. And in the conference standings, their last in the Missouri Valley Conference. In the second week of the AP poll, when they were one of my two unranked picks, they were 8-0, and and they're 14-16 and 16 at this point of the season. So they're holding me down a little bit, but overall, 106, not too bad. Hopefully I'm in striking distance of, of you, but I don't know if I am. You're a cool six wins behind. I'm sitting wow. with 112. 22 wins. More. Almost all, my t- all but one of my teams has reached or passed 20 wins. So Vermont... Earlier that was a in the good season, one. Yeah, fifteen game win streak up to twenty three and six. So currently. we all could have picked Vermont. So Tom, we had to pick one team of a player we interviewed. Tom picked Grand Canyon because we interviewed Josh Braun, one of their guards who has a great story. If you want to go back and listen to any of these episodes uh, previously, he was a great guest, probably the most energetic and enthusiastic, I should say, guest that we've had on the show. I picked UTA because of Kevin Hervey, and you picked Vermont because our first guest of the preseason was Trey Bell Haynes who is a Canadian player that plays for Vermont, and he's leading them right now, and we all could have picked them, and we didn't, and you got lucky with Vermont. Uh, I think you picked them last. I'm yeah. pretty sure you had the last pick. Honestly, Vermont was was not my first choice out of the teams that we've interviewed, but it worked out well so far. So great for Vermont, 23-6. and six. Then I got Duke, 23-5. and five. That was my first pick. Um, they just tweeted out, actually, that Wendell Carter will not be sitting out. He's going to be active tonight. Okay. So... There you go. That's the How do you response. feel about the, the, the Bagley-Duke being better without Marvin Bagley because the floor is more space? I think it's nonsense. Theory. I think, it's I think nonsense. so, too, because he's unbelievable. He's but in contention I, for I actually... player of the year. How are people going to tell me they're better <laughs> off without him? It's just it's crazy. Space is the floor, though. Crazy take. And then Xavier, my Big East squad, 25-4. and four. Um, UCLA, a team that originally I was not happy with my pick. Shout out Thomas Welsh. Huge <laughs> fan of him. 19 and 9. Shout out so, Tyler Trillo, too, in yeah. Arizona. Well, he didn't get I'm there yet. There. I'm getting there. Easy, easy. Don't, no spoilers. <laughs> Don't jump the gun. No spoilers. So, yeah, 19 and, and 9 for UCLA. Um, I hear shout out, I think, Tyler Trillo. <laughs> and then, of course, shout out Tyler Trillo. Arizona sitting at a cool 22 and 6. Got to watch out for Alonzo Trier, though, yeah. recently ruled well, out. Well, not really. If you're playing against him, you don't have to watch out for him <laughs> right now. Well, that that's something to be on the lookout for is how that's going to be resolved or what the NCAA is going to do in regards to that. So, yeah. um, 112 wins. 
six six spaces behind the next competition. I'm I'm yeah. feeling I'm pretty feeling count me out. I'm feeling okay about 106. I mean, I've got Nevada, Cincy, Michigan State firmly in people's good graces. I think at this point of the season. So is is UCLA in the latest bracketology? Do you guys? If do you guys know uh, I've got a first generation Probably iPad not. in front of me. You've got a Mac. So why don't you look that up? I does anyone know? He asks with your laptop. Come on. So I've got um. We're here on. I said we're recording Friday afternoon. Thursday night, last night, Arizona against Oregon State without Trier. And I like Arizona a lot if Alonzo Trier is is in the lineup because you DeAndre Ayton is so good. The clear-cut number one pick, in my opinion. This guy, his passing ability out of the post is incredible. Right. His shooting touch, free, pretty good free-throw shooter. All around, just the, the broad shoulders in the thin-sleeved uh, Arizona uniforms. This guy is just a beast. Him with Ristich down low, Raleigh Hawkins delivered when it mattered down the stretch he, he helped them out to a overtime win over Oregon State we talked to Drew Eubanks in the preseason that was one of our guests I was hoping to tweet out that interview if Oregon State could pull the upset Arizona got it done I don't know how far I'll put them through without Trier but with him they're going to be a force to be reckoned with they could be final four caliber and get Sean Miller there if Trier wins his appeal and plays this year yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to be worked out, not only with Arizona, but as we mentioned, you know, there's going to be some changes coming to college basketball with whether suspensions, punishment, however the NCAA decides to handle all these allegations. So definitely something to be on the lookout for before, you know, we're making all these picks now, acting like nothing it, nothing could come of it. But just keep that in mind that there's always potential for I'm players at, to get suspended. So I, I know you have the bracketology pulled up. We have to bring that. We we haven't brought that back. We don't have time. This has been one of our longer episodes. We don't have time today, but maybe next week's show. Yeah, we'll we have to. We completely forgot about and that segment where we would look at Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology and, and pick a, you know, write them all out and pick a final four. And I've got to go back and look at listen to our interview with Joe and see what we're going to throw in here at the end. But I guess I should do our outro and then send it send it to the interview, do the outro, and then maybe put the music after we hear from Joe. That sounds pretty good, right, for this episode? Yeah, sure. All right. And anything else you guys want to throw in? Mm, nope. No. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I wanted to quickly say we should do some type of bracket challenge contest. We still have a few weeks to brainstorm ideas. If you we'll guys actually do this, maybe, unlike the uh, <laughs> where Where five. we can possibly give something away or just have a com- competition amongst us and anybody listening out there, you can – Follow us on Twitter at StudentSecPod and stay tuned for a possible bracket challenge thing when, when all that gets going as we approach March. That'll do it for episode 18. I did promise a little bit of the Joe Lenardi interview, so I'll feed that in and maybe we'll hear the outro after that, the, the music outro. But for Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio, I'm Matt Murphy. Be a fan of the student section. Obviously, you're generous with your time, so we want to talk bracketology and the big thing that came out not too long ago was the the bracket preview from the selection committee and there was a lot of not outrage but there was a lot of reaction on twitter with the way things shook out obviously that's not going to be the way things look come selection sunday but i guess tom just asked you your biggest takeaway from this game what's your biggest takeaway from that because there was a lot of directions michigan state as a three west virginia not in there so what was your biggest takeaway from the bracket preview of 16 teams well they certainly appear to be uh liking their new quadrant system. You know, we talked about it, I think, in the last uh, half time we did together in Philadelphia. It used to be, the first column was, you won a game against the top 50 as defined by the RPI. Well, now, that first column is 1 to 30 if it's a home game, 1 to 50 if it's neutral, 1 to 75 if it's a true road contest. The idea being to... uh, maybe incent you to play some more road games, but more importantly, to not let, you know, the power conference schools bulk up their resume with all the home games that they get to play because of who they are and the resources that they have. And I think indirectly that penalized a school like Michigan State in this particular iteration of the bracket because it's a perfect storm in a way the Big Ten is down. Michigan State played an unusually weak non-conference schedule by its own standards, and a couple of the teams that they beat have tanked a little bit because of injuries such as Notre Dame. So Michigan State just only had two wins in that first column when the committee did its thing for Sunday's preview, uh, and that's how Michigan State, I guess, ended up on the third line. Having said all that, and knowing all those data points before you know, it came out, I still would have made Michigan State a two, because I think common sense 
has to come into it a little bit too. And if you watch them, you'd go, hey, they're pretty good. And I think <laughs> yeah. Minnesota got a little taste of that last night. Another team I want to ask you about is Oklahoma. They were really surprising for a lot of people to be given a four seed, especially over the likes of, say, West Virginia. What do you think the biggest factor was in, uh, as we're having a quick little technical difficulty here, but I'll, I'll, here, I'll finish here. my question. The biggest reason that West Virginia, uh, why do you think basically Oklahoma snuck in on the four line over a team like West Virginia, and how surprised were you by that? Well, I was very surprised by that, if only because West Virginia swept them right. in their two regular season games. And Oklahoma came in having lost six of their last eight, and now they've lost seven of nine. Now they've played a great schedule, and they have great wins. And West Virginia has not played a great non-conference schedule with a similar number of good wins. Again, I try to apply common sense where possible. I know that ruins my reputation because people think I'm wedded only to the numbers. But when you lose seven out of nine games, maybe you're not the same team that you were a month or six weeks ago. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration. They used to have a formal data category of, you know, last 10 or last 12 that equated to the last third of the season. And that is the case no longer. Uh, Maybe it's time to revisit that. How much do you think it was just the Trey Young factor? I I don't think at all. No? Uh, I I know that's an easy, you know, out – as a type of answer, but, you know, almost all of these venues uh, are sold out well in advance. Like, they don't need to invent (laughs) storylines, A, to sell tickets, and B, to get us to watch, because we're already doing all of those things. Joe, last question, because I know you got to get back to the St. Joe's broadcast. This is busy season for you, especially this next month or so. What's your daily schedule just going to be like, just grinding away on brackets hour after hour? Well, I do go to work from time to time. <laughs> I, I, I try not to make a habit of it for the next month or so, but certainly, uh, I, 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 you know, after a game like tonight, I'll be up processing all of tonight's results. Then I'll cross-check the numbers that we run overnight in the morning. So by noon or so the next day, I've sent kind of the menu of, top seeds and bubble activity for that night's ESPN games so the, the, the announcers can talk about it and they can build graphics for the games, uh, get, get the packages together in the production trucks. Uh, and then usually from about lunchtime to dinner time, I try and do my regular job. <laughs> uh, and then I like to go to a game, like tonight. Yeah, hey, I don't, or, you I know, don't if, you. if there's not a live game uh, tomorrow night, I'll be in the all-new bracket bunker uh, up, in, up at ESPN headquarters in Connecticut. So... It's not a terrible thing unless you hate basketball. <laughs> All right, Joe, thanks so much for Thank being you generous. guys. Thank you, guys. Have a good call in the second half. That was Joe Lunardi, famed ESPN bracketologist. Thank you so much to him for being generous enough to give us a second interview in uh, just a few weeks and some really good stuff, as always, from Joey Brackets.